Welcome to Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage, the show that gives you a chance to hang with today's top contemporary jazz artists. I'm your host, Carl Brown. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage. Um, Today's guest is a West Baltimore native who picked up the saxophone at the young age of seven years old. He studied at the renowned Berklee College of Music in Boston. He's played with and for some of the most amazing artists um, the jazz world's ever seen and music world has ever seen, quite frankly. Wynton Marsalis, Chick Corea, Cyrus Chestnut, and toured for a while with Cool and the Gang. He has multiple projects of his own to his credit. He plays with multiple different bands. He's toured all over the world. Please welcome to the show the uber-talented Mr. Steve Carrington. Steve, welcome, man. Oh, man, I'm happy to be here. Happy to be here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for being here, man. I could tell you, like, you know, Steve and I just started talking a couple minutes before, and I could tell right away that you have an infectious personality, man. You are a positive <laughs> cat. You know, life is about positivity. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, my dad used to have this on his on the refrigerator in the home. It was a little sign that said, be positive or be good. That's a great mantra, a great mantra. So you started playing at seven years old. What happened at that early age to make you want to pick up a saxophone? There was a, you know, a guy at my grandmother's house. And that's actually, I was, actually, I'm from East Baltimore. East Baltimore, my bad, I'm sorry. So I don't want my East Baltimore people to think I abandoned them. No, exactly right. Well, I'm glad you corrected me on that one. <laughs> so uh, there was a guy next door. You know, in, in Baltimore, they have like row houses. Uh-huh. A lot like, I mean, if you ever been, to, if you ever came and you've seen in Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York, a lot like that too. Um, so he played saxophone and his bedroom, when I used to stay at my grandmother's, his bedroom was right by my bedroom. Okay. To the wall. Uh-huh. And then the, the yards, you know, the backyard is, is a row house. So each backyard is like kind of connected really, you know, and they had, you could walk right over into their yard basically i didn't have a fence separating it that we you know we could get in there so he used to come on the back and practice and i was and when i was really little i used to watch him then one day i just simply asked him when i was real i was about six six seven i asked him hey can i try it and and he said you know how to hold it uh-huh i think i do because i watched him for i kept watching him for a long time and every time he would be i was there you know it was keeping me up at night because he would do his gigs and come home and practice okay yeah. So then I played it and it, it, it and it, it and it kind of freaked him out because I was so little and I got a sound out of it. He had an alto, you know, and I got a sound out of it. It's pretty good sound, but not, you know, for a kid. Yeah. So and he was like, man, you got some strong lungs. He said, maybe you should talk to your grandmother and your dad and all them and see if they'll get you a saxophone. I said, maybe. And so it, as fate would have it, he did get me a saxophone. And Alan, who was the guy's name, started showing me, and I was practicing from that point on. Then I really got a good teacher once I got into junior high school. You know, back then, they wasn't middle school. It was junior. Yeah, and I, I had my real first teacher teacher, right? And I was, you know, reading music and everything else. Before, it was all by ear. Yeah, that's a cool story. So does Alan know that what you have been doing with your career? Is he, has he stayed, have you stayed connected to him? I don't, you know what, they, they, I know they moved from East Baltimore because a lot of stuff changed. Like even my, you know, my grandmother, she passed away. Okay. Sorry to hear. Grandpa. Well, you know, they, they lived a good life and, you know, just old age and time, you know, you know, rest in peace. They're, they're on. So they moved and the family moved from that house and they all have their own houses. And I don't know what happened with Alan, but yeah, I was trying to talk. One of my cousins still, still stay close to his nephew. It's my cousin. I say, man. Ask, ask, um, Darrell is, where's Alan? I, I, I like to see him because he actually, he played flute and everything too. And I, I play flute too. So, you know, so he was, um, you know, I, I haven't heard from him. I don't know if he's kept up or he's keeping track of me or he's heard. Because of course, you know, times change. He was a lot older than me. So, so, you know, he was, um, what is it? You got the internet now. You got all this stuff now. I don't know where he is using it because he's in a different generation. You know, the older cats, they really don't even want to mess with this. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> you, you, know, you know what I'm saying? So true. So, right. I mean, I'm, I'm well, 57 this year. This year I'll be 57. So for me, it's, you know, I'm, I just integrated into it. 
And then of course dealing with music in the and what we do to get to get the music out. This is a this is a great vehicle to get. Oh, so yeah. So I don't know where he is, but I'm I, I'm telling you, I'm readily searching though. Yeah, that's good. That's good because I bet that would be a huge thing for him to know what you've done with with those uh those those humble be- beginnings of him trying to teach you. You know. Yeah, yeah. Well, he he definitely taught me taught me the basics. He got me. Yeah, yeah. So. After you got into taking formal lessons and all that stuff, did you know then, early, at an early age, that being a being a musician was what you wanted to do and be? Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's what made me happy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Like my happy place, you know. So, and then you know, the more it developed, my writing is like uh, writing music, and you know, it etches and tells the story of life. So, you know, it it, it really has uh, made an indelible mark on on the painting of my life. That's cool. I love, I love that you said that it's what made you happy. I, I talk to young people so much and I try to tell them, you know, find the thing in life that makes you happy and pursue that, right? Yeah. Because if you pursue that, everything else will work itself out, you know, but you'll be happy, you know, and you know, that's cool. And that will dictate also how you relate to others, how you feel inside, right? So if you, if you, if you're cool, happy and in a in a good place inside and in here you'll you, you'll you'll affect others in a positive way you won't be that's so true i mean like just like i said at the at the top of the show at the interview like you and i just met but i could tell right away that you were a positive person because just oh, just man. the way you present yourself you know and, yeah. and i think you're yeah. right that does come from that place of being happy being happy with who you are what you're doing and all those things yeah. Yeah. So I got to tell you, as I was preparing for the interview today, you know, I was going through back and listening to some of your music and I could tell you're a writer, too, because there's layers and complexity in your music, you know, that that's not in everybody's music. Right. I mean, like and there's def- it's definitely there. How how do you get that? How do you and how do you describe the music you make or do you describe the music you make in a certain way? Yeah, there's descriptions. I mean, each star, each song has its own story. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm trying to, through sound, I'm trying to relay that story. And when I say that story, namely that feeling. Because this song, like this, I mean, there's songs, I, look, I got over 454 tunes cataloged in BMI. I only, I only recorded 16 of them. Okay. Because, you know, jazz musicians, usually the process for us is we, you know, we, we put a record out and we play some, some of the American standards so that you can see that we definitely did our work. You know, so the first couple of records, I, I did mainly standards, but only a couple of my songs on there. This third record is the one with all my compositions. Yeah. This last one, Friends Are Family, you know, and, and being though, and so it's really, and you know, Kenny Garrett is like my, my big brother, my mentor. Yeah, he gave me my saxophone. So Kenny, the tenor I play now—not that I don't have another tenor—Kenny, Kenny, Kenny gave me that, and that's like a, that's like a, you know, somewhat of a gesture of a carry the torch now. That's cool, and 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 to have that happen by somebody like Kenny Garrett—that's that's got to mean a lot. Oh man, it's huge! It's huge. Uh, I, I, he, when when he gave it to me, I was at his house, you know, and he, he brought it down. He said, he said, uh, play this, check this out, and then I played it. He was like, uh. When Kenny says that, he's listening to how you, you know, the sound of it. And 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 because and I was playing my horn, then he, he did that horn he brought downstairs. He told me to play it. Then he said, he said, that's that's yours. That's yours. You take it, take it home if you can carry it. And then he said, he said, uh-huh, uh, this, this was waiting here for you like that. Because he's not a tenor guy. He's an alto guy. But the, the, he has played tenor, but he's an alto guy. And he's, a, um. but he he, 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 he said, you one of us. That's what he, that's what he said to me. <laughs> that's cool. Like, I say, I don't know if I'm one of y'all, but you know, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty that's, nice that's, praise. Oh, uh, bro. That's, that, that, that's humbling. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. I can imagine. So, I mean, I hear lots of different influences in your, in your music and particularly in, in this, this third album too, right? Like there's like, there are so many different styles. Like are there, and you, you cut your teeth as a jazz musician, but what other genres influence you? Man, country music, Believe it or not, you know, there's some great country music. It's the stories they tell. See, it's the stories that they say. It's 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 what they're saying within the music. You know, music just reduced is simply sound. 
what we do as musicians, and I won't even use the term jazz, just musicians, it's just how we manipulate the sound and how we organize it. You know, there's like, like um, you know, when I when I write, I see colors. Ah. Yeah. So it's, you know, in, in those colors, some colors make me play warm stuff. Some colors make me play, you know, a little a little brash, you know, but it's like a painting, you know, you're using colors to bring out something. And there's, but I mean, that's what I see when I'm playing, you know, it's colors, you know, and uh, um, this, 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 the influences, and I said country first, but every genre of music influences me. Funk, R&B, classical, just music in general. So you might hear pieces of a classical thing inside my thing, but it's quick because it might, it might be, it might be transitioning, you know, to get to somewhere. In the music, when you're writing, it's more important where you're going. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So yeah. And that, and then you're talking about Kenny Garrett. Definitely. You know, sometimes he influenced me a lot because I play piano. So, and I use it for writing. We're on the phone sometimes two hours, three hours, practicing. Now, you know who else used to do that, right? Sonny Rollins and John Coltrane, they used to practice over the phone. Aha, uh-huh. I did not know that. Oh, yeah, man. They used to do, if they used to, you, you, when you hear that record, um, the record that Sonny, you, you might have heard the song before, it's a song called Tender Madness. It was Sonny and Train, but Train wasn't really supposed to be on that record. He was just in the studio. And Sonny said, come on, play this song with me, Train, basically. And then the rest is history. And that solos, both solos was killing. And you're hearing two different sounds, but very important as it pertains to the framework and landscape of jazz and where it was headed. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That's awesome. And it's Kenny Kenny like that to me. I could be on the phone with him for hours. And then I'm playing. And I said, Kenny, check this out. And he'll say, check this out. And he'll, you know, and then he's hearing, and he said, man, he said, boy, the creator just dropping them on you, bro. I uh-huh. said, yeah. He's like, keep hearing melody. <laughs> so you know, I mean, I'm influenced by every cool in the gang. That tour influenced me a lot. Yeah, clearly it did. Like I, when you sent me your songs to feature in the episode, I, I started listening, and the first one on the list was how do you pronounce it? Callis Groove. Callis. Callis Groove. Man, yeah. I listened to that, and I was just like, oh man, that that's that's some funky stuff right there. That's some cool in the gang right up in there. It was straight to it because. You know, Kalis was he, he, okay. So you know who the members of Cool and Gang, the main members, right? Robert Bell. Robert Bell, that's cool. Kalis Bell is Robert's Bell brother. Kalis Ronald Bell. Got you. Okay, I knew him as Ronald Bell. I didn't know Kalis. Right. Okay, Kalis, that's their Muslim name. Okay, gotcha. Because uh, Cool doesn't use his Muslim name, but Kalis did later. Cool, Cool's Muslim name is Muhammad. Khalees is, you know, Ronald's uh, Muslim name is Khalees. So Khalees was the sax player in the, was the tenor sax player. The alto sax player was DT, Dennis Thomas. Those are the, the horn guys. So when, you know, basically Kenny got me to gig with them, to be honest with you. They were looking for somebody and uh, and and they needed somebody quickly. I think one, the guy that they were using, he, 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 he couldn't do it or something. And Kenny called me, and, and and when he called me, the first thing I said was, I don't know, man, don't they dance? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, so he started laughing. Kenny started laughing, and then he said, uh, 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 now, man, I think they just want you to play the horn. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, I was like, well, I said, well, I can do that. There you go. There you <laughs> go. And basically, I went out there the next day, played, and... And and uh, that was it. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's, that was it. Well, let's take a listen to that. Kalis Groove by today's guest, Steve Carrington. And, and, and just to mention, you're going to hear a little touches of Cool and the Gang in the middle of it. Oh, yeah. Because it's a direct tribute to him. Awesome.
everybody. That was Khalees Groove by Steve Carrington, our guest today. So, Steve, walk us through. You said you said something interesting, and I heard this from one other artist that when you write, you you see colors. Um, talk to us about your your process for making music. How does that happen, and and what are the steps you go through to to bring a song to life? Um, well, sometimes it depends. Okay, so one thing I might be doing, you know, I might be. Okay, during the pandemic, right? A lot of music. I wrote a lot of music. One tune I wrote on the piano, I called Inside the Rain. And what I was thinking about, because it was raining outside, I was thinking about what it feels like to be inside a raindrop if I was singing. And I was trying to, and I was actually relaying that particular feeling. Mm-hmm. What it is to be, you know, inside a raindrop. Kalis, of course, when you, when you, when, when, once you play, play it and the people hear it, Hopefully they'll be able to hear the spirit of happiness because Khalid always was happy and, and kind of giddy. Yeah. Happy guy. When I met him, we, you talked and he said, you know, he, he just called me the rabbi. He said, get the rabbi on it, man. Get the rabbi on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so the process is normally I'm hearing a melody. Now, sometimes I'm playing chords and I create a melody, but I always have a title in mind already. So, you know, all those songs you, you've seen on, on the, the new record, like Norwegian Butterfly and, and you see, you know, but the three that you're going to play today that we're concentrating on, those were because I already had a vibe in mind. Yeah. With, the, with who, who I'm writing for or why I'm writing it. Gotcha. You know what I'm gotcha. saying? Yeah, I mean, indeed. Uh, indeed. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So do you prefer being out on the road on stage touring or do you prefer being in the studio or do they serve different masters for you? They serve different masters. I would say you director. I mean, I, I love the road. Yes. Because, I love you know, what I like to see is people's smiles when I'm and that they become lighthearted. You know, uh, Gillespie said this to me when I was young. He said that we have a responsibility to the audience as musicians live. We actually alleviate them of burdens when they come to the club. You don't know what somebody's been through, but they came through, they came to hear you that night to not think about anything. Yeah. And he said, and it's, uh, it's our responsibility and we owe it to them to give of our heart and bless them and just freely bless them. Man, Steve, that is so cool that you say that because as someone who is a listener, not a musician myself, it's a total difference when somebody gets up on stage and plays from the heart versus just playing their instrument. You dig? You dig? Oh, man. Oh, man. You know, and 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 I, I have a daughter who wants to be a singer, and I tell her all the time, like, she gets so wrapped up in being technically good, and I tell her all the time, it's like, sweetheart, people, being technically good is important, but people will respond to your passion more than anything else. Bring it from your heart. You know what? A lot of the records that were jazz records, they left the mistakes on the record. People don't know their mistakes. People, the audience don't know because they don't hear that. The musician who could, could listen, say, I wanted it. I wanted the, the, the art mean to play that or, you know, but you can hear, but the mistake is the hip stuff. Yeah. That's the hip stuff. Yeah. That's the human stuff. You see what I'm saying? Because, and that really gets greasy. That's when it hits the heart. Like, Cyrus, Cyrus, you mentioned Cyrus Chestnut. He told me a story about he was in the studio, and you know Wallace Roney, Wallace Roney, uh, the trumpet player that was around. He was around during, you know, he he was coming up through Kenny Garrett and them. All of them was together through through that time. Well, he did a recording with Wallace, and 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 Wallace played something on the trumpet, and it was like it was so soulful, wasn't in the music. And then Wallace heard it back and he said, hey, yes, Cyrus, maybe I should do that over. Cyrus said, no, man, no, leave that. <laughs> he, he was like, he said, leave that. You yeah, see what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I also love the part about, you know, you being told by, you said it so, you said it so cavalierly. Yeah, Dizzy Gillespie told me, you know, like, you know, <laughs> like that in and of itself is pretty special, right? That Dizzy yeah. Gillespie will tell you anything, but. What a great message that, you know, and I think it's so true. You know, people, you don't know what people have been through. You don't know what their day was like. And they're there to see you and hear you. And you're right to have a respite from whatever is going on in their world for that time frame. Yeah, for sure. I mean, because people, you know, that's why I like, you know, I, I tour Europe a lot. So I'm there like every six months or something. Right. And now it's getting more. Because they're playing my record. This record is doing well in Europe. Yeah, in London, they're playing it a lot. In uh, France, in Germany, in Poland, in uh, Eastern Europe. Um, 
But the people come up to me, they said, man, that was so enjoyable. And they said, the spirit, you, you're so happy. You look like you're just being playful up there. You're having a good time, huh? I say, oh, man, it's my, it's my happy place. It's not even the stage. It's just to be able to play and make music. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, let's take a listen to another one of your songs. This is, this is um, one of your musical nods to one of your inspirations, Kenny Garrett. This is Garrettized.
All right, everybody. We just heard Garrettized by Steve Carrington. And clearly, clearly Kenny Garrett is a huge inspiration for you. Like, how did your relationship with Kenny start? Uh, it also started back in my teens. I was introduced to Kenny Garrett by a good friend. And like, he's almost like family, a bass player. Since then, I heard bebop and stuff like that when I was young. But when I got with this guy, I started hearing all this other music and he started turning me on the weather report and, uh, and this type of stuff. So I was like, wow. And then he turned me on to Kenny. And, and when I heard first time I heard him play, I was like, wow, now that that got right to the point. So, so I was telling my mom, hey, I was maybe I don't know, 16, 17. I was a mom. I need to go to New York and find this guy so I can study with him. Wow. And she said, well, you. <clears throat> you can study with him, but you ain't going to New York. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, so, but as fate would have it, later years, you know, some years went by, and I went on my own to New York. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And I met him, and and you know, from the first from the first thing, it was like uh, we clicked. He he does this thing after his shows that he'll play the piano, like people. People will leave. So I would leave, you know, leave the, when they leave the club. So he was at the Blue Note, at the Blue Note and he was, gig was over playing, playing the piano. And I asked him, could I, um, hey, he, he was playing Lush Life. You know Lush Life? Yeah, he was playing Lush Life. And I was like, man, it, and it really shocked me because I only heard him play saxophone before, but he was playing piano like he was a piano player. I was like, woo-hoo. And I was like, man, he's playing so beautifully. I said, Kenny, can I play that with you? And he was like, well, what you got? I say, a tenor. He said, yeah, come on. So when I put the horn together and I played it, he stopped playing. And he turned, looked over his shoulder and said, hmm, that's a beautiful sound you had. Wow. How old were you when that happened? No, I'm, I'm now, at that point, I'm like in my late 20s or okay. something. Okay, okay, okay. Early 30s, maybe. Yeah. So after that, you know, we wound up playing for, 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 for several hours. The club is closed, but we in there playing. We, you know, we're talking and we traded numbers and stuff like this. Then I didn't see him for a couple of years. Then I, all of a sudden I saw Benito Gonzalez, who I knew, who was now playing with him at, after a couple of years. And he said, man, Kenny was just asking about you, bruh. What? He said, yeah. He said, he said, man, I met this guy who had a beautiful sound, but then he just disappeared. <laughs> but then he told me, come on down. They was playing at the Apple store. They was doing a free concert there. When I came down, Kenny said, wait, wait, wait. He pointed at me, told me, wait, 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 right there. He came. He said, can you come over to my house tomorrow? So when I came over to the house, I came like nine in the morning. And I stayed there from nine to one in the morning. All day. Yeah. And he never played the saxophone once. He played the drums and the piano. He kept going back and forth. And he showed me some things. And from that point on, I was like, oh, it opened music up. What he showed me, right to the point. Like, see, most people, they think theory. But music ain't about that. It's really about a sound. Yeah, yeah. What sound and vibration are you creating? Yeah. That's, you know, it, you, you can, t they use theory just to be able to try to give somebody a roadmap. But that's, it's theory. It's not absolute. You know what I mean? You, you can't say that one note don't fit this other thing. It depends on how you deal with that note. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? So, 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 so basically that moved on and now, and then we became very close. And then he, he gave me the horn that day. And from that point on, it's been, you know, it's been, it's been, we've been, we've been very, very close. Yeah, clearly, so, clearly. Yeah. So that tune, you know, Garretide. It's like being baptized. Yeah. Okay. 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 That's cool. Well, that's got to be a really amazing experience. So you go to his house at at nine in the morning. You're there till one in the morning, just jamming with him. The, the you know, like that's that's got to be like like as a musician, you had to be like on cloud nine when you left there. Oh, bruh, man, you, you unbelievably, unbelievably. I mean, the experience number one from you know he's a giant because he he went through the real history. You know, most cats nowadays, they'll go to a school and that's how they connect to different, you know, artists, uh, different or their elders if they're there. Back in the day, the cats, cats were meeting each other in the club or, or they played because they watched each other play every night. Well, Kenny played with Freddie Hubbard. He played with Woody Shaw. He played with Art Blakey. He played, I mean, he, when he, he, 18 years old, he never went to college. He came straight to New York and was in the Duke Ellington band. 18 years old, left Detroit, come straight there. He learned it the way that the old cats learned it, right from you. Yeah, that's amazing. That is that's, amazing. You know and that's why when you hear him, if you listen to him, you hear it's more heart mm -hmm. than it's theory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because they gave, they, he, they handed them the tricks of the trade. 
They handed it to him. He was around those masters. So, you know, that's the thing I would tell young cats nowadays. I say, yeah, well, you got to find somebody who's a link. If you want to have, if you want to, or, or you just, you know, it, I ain't saying you'll never get there because I can't say that. I, I can say this. You need a link. You know, it's like what God told Moses, right? He told Moses, okay, Moses, I'm going to take some of the spirit that's on you and put it on the 70 elders. And they, and it said how the 70 elders, after he did that, the 70 elders, uh, they prophesied and they did not cease even to this day. So how does that happen? Those guys are dead. What that means is that because it was like teacher to student, right? So whatever Moses, because the word in Hebrew for spirit, the word is ruach, which means wind. So how would he take the wind that's on Moses and put it on this man? Well, we can't speak without breathing. You try to talk without air, it ain't going to come out. But really what he was saying was Moses is going to teach them. So they'll have his kind of mind and his type of spirit, right? And they're going to do it to the next student and their students to their students and keep the lineage going on. That's what he was saying. So it's the same thing in our tradition of this music. We need, you got to have a link to those who did it and they did it on the level and they knew what to relay. They get right to it. They don't, you know, theory, like I say, I'm not saying theory ain't important. Way you can, it's where you can translate, but there's much more than theory in this music. Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. So was jazz always your intention? Was it always your desire to be a jazz player? I know you play other things, but like, was jazz always the core of the music that you wanted to make? Yeah, that was, it, it, it was because it was my, it was the way I wanted to express sound. And I seen that you have more freedom with it. Yeah. You had more freedom with it. I mean, you know, to me, you go to a jazz show, if you see, if you hear, if you see somebody live and they're a jazz musician and you hear the same show every time, the same way, it ain't jazz. Mm-hmm. I mean, I look, I, I played with Cyrus Chestnut, who's a master at what he does. I played the same songs with him, but never twice the same way. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, he'll do something with a standard. You won't even know it's a standard that's coming, what he's doing with it. And each time it's been different. So, and it, because each audience should give you a different feeling and now you've given something to them. Yes, that makes sense. That draw, that 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 playing off of the audience and letting that improvisation, uh, let that feeling drive that improvisational nature that is jazz. Oh yeah, that's cool. So Steve, we do this segment on the show. We call it "Bout It or Doubt It." Okay, if you bout it, it's something that you like. If you doubt it, it's something you're not feeling. Are you uh, up for playing a little "Bout It or Doubt It" with us? Let's let, let, let's go. All right. I started yeah, nobody bout it. Man, if you bout it, get them up. I mean you body body. I mean body. We say you body body. I represent. I doubt it. All right, so see what we're gonna do is we're gonna spin the wheel and get you a category. Then we're gonna ask you a couple of bout it or doubt it questions. Okay. Okay. All right. All right, Steve, your category today is adventure, all right? So, uh, bout it or doubt it, bungee jumping? Doubt it. Doubt it, okay. Yeah, talk, talk, <laughs> talk to me about that. <laughs> that was a quick doubt it. <laughs> I think your, yours, your doubt it was about as quick as mine would be. <laughs> That's too much like lynching to me. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Just from the feet, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand it. I really don't. Like I, I know people who do this and jump out of planes and base jump and all this stuff. But yeah. I'm just like, man, I, 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 I don't understand it. I can't do it. Yeah, I'm good. I'm, and I was in the army. Man, I okay, I, okay. I did, I, I did the army band, and then I, I even jumped out the plane. Okay. But, I ain't, but you ain't gonna hang me by no string. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. And then just to, da- to 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 dangle there and recoil. You know, oh, no. until yeah. it stops, man. That's that's scary. That's scary as all get out to me. Ooh, every time I see something like that on Facebook, somebody did that online. I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know what I'm saying I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, if you're a thrill seeker, okay, but I, hey, yeah. Look, uh, the, the most thing I like to do is ride roller coasters. Okay, 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 okay. I'm on lockdown. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> I, I hear you. Yeah, that's what I couldn't do. All right. How about one more? Okay. Going on a safari. About it. About it. Yeah. Talk me through that. Have you have you done that? I haven't, but I'm that's that's on my bucket list. Okay, cool. 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 And matter of fact, I was in Angola uh-huh. last year. Okay. But I'm going back there, but they also gonna take me to Senegal and but there's no safari in Angola. Uh-huh. But there's some, there's one close to Ghana and Senegal. 
Okay. And they stay on the outskirts of it, but and they sit, and I'm gonna get it set up. That's awesome, man. Gonna, when I go there to play, yeah, I'm gonna see if I can get go because I want to see those. I'm a Leo, right? Yeah. So okay. Okay. I want to. I, I I always watch lions and their stuff online and and documentaries. I'd like to see them cats in, in their natural habitat. Yeah, that would be cool. Doing they thing, because from what I understand, they don't bother the human. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They'll they're going on by you. Uh-huh. They don't see us as food. They don't, uh-huh. you know, they don't recognize us that way. Okay. Uh, but so I'd like to see them, giraffes, elephants, the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I would like to be there and just see it. One yeah. time. That yeah. yeah. That's something I would love to do as well. Like I, yeah. I I I I know people who have done it. And everyone that I know who has done it has just raved about that experience. And that's something I would like to experience at some point in time myself as well. That that's, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah, yeah I'd definitely be about it. No yeah. Doubt about it. yeah. So when you're out on the road, like, do you do you make time to experience a little if you have time? Do you make time to experience a little bit of the culture of where you're playing or is it? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Good. I mean, well, well, first of all, like I tell you, I was in the army band and I was stationed in so I lived in Germany. So I, I, you know, I saw a lot of it. But when I go over there, I feel like I'm home a little bit. You know, I understand Europe, you know, um, uh, and the audience, they're so uh, engaged and they and, and they're attached to our music more than over here. Because even when we're here and we play, the tourists are the people that come see us. It's kind of funny, but it is. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, that some Americans don't come see the music, but it's the only true American art form jazz. I mean, you know, R&B and all that stuff had branched out of it. Yeah. Came, it came from it. It skewed from it. So, you know what I mean, it's, it's, it's a whole other thing. But jazz was basically wielded here. Yeah, it really was. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And, you know, I've heard that before from artists, too. I've heard that about Europe. I've heard that about Japan as well, where there's a, yeah, man. a, a different level of understanding and connection to the music than sometimes they experience in the States. They love us. Yeah. Yeah. And, they, you know, and and that's why a lot of cats, when they go over there, some of them don't come back. Yeah. 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 Sure. Many of them went over there. Look, Dexter stayed over there for a long time. Yeah. And then he, Dexter Gordon, I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And he got his accolades after being popular over there. Then America wanted to embrace him. Then he comes back and, you know, of course, then they make the movie around midnight. Now he gets all the stuff, but he's already old. Man. But but he's seasoned. I mean, you know, most jazz musicians, now I'll tell anybody this. You hear, you, you there's a lot of young guys, young, people that are young, but I don't think you really, you really mature in this music until you hit a certain age because you ain't living enough life yet. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, it's a life music. Yeah. Well, yeah. Like you, I mean, like, you know, certain songs, certain, certain ways of phrasing, all of that has to be a part of the journey that you've, that you've walked. Right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. You got to live it. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? This thing got to be your morning coffee. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And see, that's, that's most cats today though. When you talk to them, all of them going to the schools because they want to be stars. You You know what I always tell cats? When I say, "Oh well, you need to pick another music. Don't pick jazz. You trying to be a star? Don't don't do that." Yeah, you you have to do this because you love it. Yeah, you just love to do. So true. So true. So tell me something that some advice that you would give your thirteen year old self about life. Being at you said you're going to be fifty seven. Being at this stage of your life now, what would you tell your thirteen year old self about life, Steve? Be consistent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, be consistent. And if it's, if it's what you want to do and you, what you love to do, be consistent and just keep and, and persistent about it. You don't, you don't give up. Don't, don't, don't want to, you got, you got time. So don't make haste. Don't think something that has to happen right away. It does. You got time. People would tell you, they always trying to make you, you know, 13. I would definitely tell myself that and enjoy being 13. Don't, don't even worry about trying to play. Trying, you, you know, a lot of cats, they grab their kids and make them play and they, 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 they rob them of something. Yeah. Good points. Good points, man. Good points. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that is you have time. Like, I think you're right. We're always so we always want to get there yesterday. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And the parent, you know, that's what I definitely would tell myself because I would watch my kids more so to allow them to be and enjoy because you're only going to be that little once. Every all that other stuff 
waiting for you. Trust me. It's waiting for you. When you get there, it's waiting for you. So you, you can continue to play and play with, with fun. Like you can play the instrument, play with fun and enjoy it. Enjoy, enjoy developing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't think you have to be perfect. You don't. Just enjoy developing because we're never perfect. We're always, we can mature, but perfection is another word. Mm-hmm. That's a different, that, 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 that's, you know, that word has a whole nother connotation with it, perfection. But, but maturity is, is, is a better word. You'll have your, you'll have your time when, when you'll mature. And that's what I mean. You ain't lived no life yet to have music that's truly expressive. It's just notes to you now. But as, as you continue to live life, those notes become life. <laughs> Good point. Good point. So what is something people would be surprised to learn about you, Steve? Uh, well, they'd be surprised to learn that I'm a rabbi. You are. Okay. Talk, talk to me about that. Well, uh, <clears throat> so I teach and speak Hebrew and I teach it on, on to a group. Well, I do the Sabbath and I teach in the synagogue, but I also teach online to a group every Sabbath. They're all, they're all over the world, all over the country. Yeah. Group of cats, you know, I started talking to them and, uh, Explaining to them, some were Hebrew Israelites, and they, you know, they were they were a little militant. And I was explaining to them from the, from a Torah perspective. I said, "Well, that's not necessarily the the Eastern way of how they interpret the Torah and what you're saying." I say, "That's the same thing you think about Malcolm X when he once he went to Mecca, he saw white Muslim, black Muslim, mm-hmm. oh, and he said he drank from the cup with a white Muslim. He saw him as his brother." So it's not about, because they make it about color. I say it ain't about color. I say it's just simply about brotherly love. Mm-hmm. That's it. And mm-hmm. unity. Yeah. And, and, and that's, I say the faster we get to that, we're more powerful. Everybody's in unity based upon love. That's it. That's a powerful message. And that's a message that, man, we need way more of that today. Matt, you, you know what I'm saying? You know, you know, and, and it's true. It's true. And now I got people from every background that study with me. That is fantastic, man. That is fantastic. So, I mean, between between being a rabbi and being a musician, like you got to be spending like almost all your time in studying and preparing and man. Well, yeah, it's also a life thing. So I've been I've been it's all my life. I've been dealing with dealing with Judaism. So it's not so hard now, you know. Because I have what they say, more of a perceptive view about I'm not it's not it's not my own view, but it's the view I have to deal with things based on facts, right? Most people they deal with, they deal with the Bible and they aren't really based on facts because a common fact would be that the Bible is not a Western book. That's a common fact. People should deal with it from that. Now, Moby Dick, it's a it's an American book. Read Moby Moby Dick, all sorts of type of uh, 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 American idioms and ideas and thoughts that book. However, the, the Bible is a foreign book. It is not an American book. So we'd have to deal with it from where it came from so we can see it clear. So a lot of the idioms and ideas, I mean, I mean what we know about raising sheep in, in New York, I don't know nothing about it. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Or better yet, there's some things like people, you know, I, I, I'll give you an example. You take the New Testament, for instance, New Testament, there's a verse where it said that Jesus said, you know, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Now, when he said that, he ain't in America. There was no America. So who was he talking to? So we need to understand who he was talking to in their mind, and then we can put that phrase in the right perspective so we, we can gain from it properly. Usually when I say that to people, I will say, well, so what, so what was the camp? What was the eye of a needle? I say that to people. Mm-hmm. Well, the only thing Americans have to reference as an eye of a needle is a little pen with an orifice in it. That's the only thing we have to reference. But that's not, they translated that, but that was the wrong thing. The eye of a needle was an archway to the city of Jerusalem. And it was very narrow and it was very short. So basically a camel would have to instinctively crawl to get through because his hump would get stuck. And he, you know what I'm saying? And so basically, what is he saying? Crawling is a symbol of humility. So what he's saying is easier for a camel to humble himself because back then, when you go to the city of Jerusalem, which you say it, Yerushalayim, it means Yahweh's city of peace. It was like he was coming to meet God when you went to back then. That's how he viewed it. So, and, and to get into to get in there, a camel would humble himself because he know he you'd be stuck. Well, a rich man is not saying he can't get in, but it's harder for him to humble himself. Yes, that's yes. What it's saying. So, the, so therein the lesson is, humility is the way to God. 
Yeah. 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 Wow. Man, you have enlightened. You have enlightened today. All of us today. This is great, man. Well, we got time to listen to one more of your songs. Okay. So let's take a listen to Mild and Easy. Ah. Uh, yeah. All right. Everybody, that was our guest today, Steve Carrington, with his song, Mild and Easy. So, Steve, I got a couple questions I love to ask all of our guests, okay? Okay, The okay. first one is, put you on the spot a little bit, your three favorite albums of all time. What would those be? As of today, whatever comes to your mind today. I know for me that changes often. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, actually... One of the great one of the great ones is the Miles Davis fifty eight sessions. Miles Davis fifty eight sessions. That that was that that band. You can't get no better than that. And yeah, and then and then another one is the Miles Davis that blue and green record. That record with kind of blue. That music. Uh, and then uh, ooh, and, and it's 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 kind of funny because I'm gonna say all people who, who they've already gone on. They ancestors now. But 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 I'll but I'll choose one of one that's alive. So uh, uh, that Kenny Garrett, not the, not the sounds from the answers, but it's another one he did. Uh, the record, Do Your Dance. <laughs> yeah, Do Your Dance. Fantastic, man. Fantastic. And then another question for you. So, like, you you can you you're having a dinner party, and you can invite any three people, living or deceased. Who's coming to your dinner party, and what's on the menu? Oh shoot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I'm going to be consistent. I'm pretty consistent. How? I, well, first of all, Moses. Yeah, yeah, that. What a great choice. 
I want him. Yeah. Because uh, I, I, yeah. Uh, uh, him. Then we'll come on down through time and we'll get, and, 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 you know, I had to have Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they say, I mean, his Hebrew name was Yeshua. Yeah. So definitely I would say Yeshua. Yeah. And, um, definitely I think, I think, uh, I would have to try to get, get, can I say four of them? Yeah, you can. Of course. <laughs> All right. So I'd say, uh, uh, Miles Miles Davis. Uh-huh. John. Oh no, yeah, and Charlie Parker. Oh, I've had to, okay, I, I those three because th- th- those three are the most influenced. Yeah, because the two things in my life, and this is why I said Moses and Yeshua has been the 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 Torah. Yeah, and music. Those are the two constants yeah. in my life. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. What's what's on the menu? Oh, okay. So on the menu, salmon. Uh huh. <laughs> But uh, salmon and ooh, collard greens with some with some smoked turkey in it. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, mac and cheese <clears throat> and some uh, cornbread stuffing. Okay, <laughs> that's that's that sound that sound and, like our Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> and some and some and uh, and cauliflower. Okay, yeah. 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 All right. All right. So, Steve, tell our listeners what else you got going on, what's coming up for you for the rest of the year, and how our listeners can find your music, find out where you're playing, all that good stuff. Okay. So, if you you'll go, you can go to my Instagram whenever, and, and if you follow me on Instagram, the name is Jazz Healer. That's how you'll get Jazz Healer, one word. Uh, and you'll be able to actually kind of see what I'm doing. Um, things are happening. I just signed with uh, SRG Jazz, which is actually city area of Universal Music Group. In yeah, Virginia. congratulations. Yeah, and, and some great label mates on there. I got Shaka Khan, um, Layla Hathaway just signed with them. Wow. Uh, Stanley Clark just did something with them. Uh, David Benoit, uh, Jeff Lorber. Man. Um, you do yeah, have great label open, label mates. Yeah, they opened a jazz department, and you know, and I'm, I'm they heard my they heard my record. It was like, whoa, this is great work, and, and you know, and now we we're gonna have it everywhere now. So it was it was everywhere. So, but it's gonna be re released now because uh, I because once I did the deal with them, I'm gonna do everything through them now. Um, it's gonna be released. The release date is March 15th. That's the re release date, and so you'll be looking out for that. And um, I mean, it, it, it made some noise. Trust me. It made some, I was up. Yeah. I was up on the jazz week. I got up in the top 30. Awesome. Yeah. And, uh, but now that they, they, they're going to push it on the other side. See, jazz week is one side of jazz in one community. A lot of non, what do they call it? Uh, non public radio or non commercial, right? Station. But, but, you know, they, they target audience within a certain radius of a place. What I'm saying. But if you on if you on serious or something like that, that's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's where they're going now with it. That's fantastic. So, yeah, it's moved, it, but it was on serious. Is uh, they have been playing some of the stuff on watercolors? Uh huh. And a couple other things. Smooth. There's a smooth jazz and an, uh, enchant. Uh, another channel called the Enchantment Channel or something like that. Okay. But they, they've been playing it. That's but fantastic, I think, man. I think it's going to get more play. I'm yeah. going to be going back to Europe in April. I'll be. Um, as a matter of fact, the label got me blocking out July. Okay. The July to play at the Essence Festival. Or oh, something. cool. So I don't, I, I'm, I don't know what that is, but you know, <laughs> because I'm, I'm on one side of jazz. Yeah. I'm, I'm coming into to this other side of jazz yeah. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because my music crosses a lot of things. It sure does. So, yeah, you know, and it could fit. It could fit a lot of places. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I'm sure. I have no doubt, man, that, uh, you know, we're going to be looking for big things from you going forward, man. And I really want to thank you for taking time to talk with us today. And we really, man, we wish you nothing but continued success, man. And looking forward to more music coming out from oh, you. Oh, man, I, I, I'm so honored that you even you invited me, man. And I'm so glad to be here talking to you. Oh, yeah. man, the pleasure is all yeah. mine. Well, thank you so yeah. much, man. Thank you, Carl. All Thank right. You. My pleasure. Yeah. Get out. 
Maybe I'll get out there to, to, to that fresh festival. There we go. There we go. We have to work on that one. We have to work on that <laughs> yeah, one. So, yeah. all right. Well, everybody, get your tickets now for, as Steve was just talking about, the 2024 Fresh Coast Jazz Festival, August 22nd through 24th at the Historic Paps Theater in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, featuring Boney James, Kirk Whalem, Nathan Mitchell, Ryan Lavalette, Lamech, Quentin Gerard W., Andrea Lisa, Kim Scott, D. Lucas, and Marcus Adams. For tickets and information, go to www.freshcoastjazz.com. That's our show for this week. Be sure to check out our website, freshcoastjazz.com, to sign up for our email list so you can stay up on what's going on with contemporary jazz. We'll see you next time on Fresh Coast Jazz Backstage. <laughs> <laughs>